in your goodness, in your mercy, in your hands. We thank you for your grace, for your love, for choosing us, for accepting us, for liking us. We thank you for angelic assistance. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for healing. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you that we are alive unto you. We pray and may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We thank God for the miracle of life and the gift of life. And as long as God keeps qualifying us to see another day, we would work the works of him who has qualified us. Tonight, we are just continuing. Initially, it was just supposed to be a one-episode study. But during the week, after sharing and discussing on careless in God's care, on Tuesday or so, that was like about two days after the recording, I found myself worrying and calculating, you know, doing calculations how things must add up here and there but i could just feel god saying didn't i tell you to relax and you see it's 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 really easy to say trust god to say depend on god but many times we find ourselves worrying we find ourselves taking ourselves out of the care of god without even realizing it and i found myself worrying i just felt so silly i said oh regardless of the things that god has done in my life the doors he has opened the ways he has provided i still sometimes find myself worrying and i felt so shy and then god was like relax and you know on on, on thursday we're having a, a week-long program at church and thursday we went for the thing and the minister gave me a prophecy and it was like two sentences and what he said was just settling my worry and i felt like god was just telling me that sam don't worry learn to cast your cares upon me and it's something that i believe happens to all of us because the main reason why it's so difficult to be careless in god's care is that when we look at where we are when we look at what we have and where we want to go to or where we want to get or where we or what we want to have the gap looks so wide for many of us and this sometimes makes it so difficult to trust God. That's why I'm always fascinated. I think I've said on the platform before that I'm always fascinated by development, progress, and growth. Because when I look at, let's say, Dubai a few years ago, how the place had nothing to write home about. And in some years, the place have massively transformed. I always say that if men could do this, there's no limits to what God can do in our lives. But sometimes, even though we know this thing, we need to convince ourselves over and over again. And as I was just wondering about why that sometimes I forget myself and I'm entering into all calculations and doing math, how things will work out. Or is it that sometimes it's an issue of trust? You know, because we may not doubt God's ability to do it. We may not doubt God's ability to work the things we want him to work in our lives. We do not doubt the fact that or the truth that God rules and reigns in the affairs of our life. But sometimes we just don't seem to trust him enough to do it in our lives. Because I'm sure when you look around, there are so many testimonies, so many examples of people, of scenarios, of situations that God has changed, that God has, has, has come through for people, that even in our lives that God has come through for us. But sometimes, just sometimes, we just don't seem to trust God enough and we begin to look for options. 
we begin to look for alternates to the to to what we are believing God for. And God is saying that do not worry about tomorrow. So I just decided to look at a scripture that God drew my mind to in Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. The psalmist is writing, and is a psalm of, of David who wrote this psalm. It says, the steps of a good man, that's what the King, the King James says. Another version says, the righteous man. The steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighted in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. It's so comforting. That's why I always like to say the comfort of scripture. David is teaching us several things in the scripture. He says, one, if you are a righteous person, if you have expressed faith in Jesus and you have the righteousness of Christ in you, God orders your steps. He does not just order your step. He's delighted in the way that you go. In fact, it is God's pleasure to see the way in which you are growing to fulfill his purpose for his life. And so that even if things happen, just as in the case of David, where he fell in the instance of Bathsheba, he said that you shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord would uphold him. And David is saying, now, you know what? I have been young. I have been old. And I've never seen, never, never seen the righteous forsaken. And not even just the righteous, even their seed beg for bread. So when I just came across the scripture, you know, I asked what gave David the audacity to write these things. You know, sometimes if maybe, I don't know, you want to be a rich man and you're listening to rich men and they are giving you all sorts of motivational quotes. If you see a rich man who was born into a rich family giving you motivational quotes, it doesn't hit as if you see somebody who was born in abject poverty, who started from zero, and it, like, it, it just hits differently. So I was looking at this man, David, what has he seen? And I just want us to take a quick glance through the life of David to appreciate when he says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. You know, for a boy who was, who was taking care of sheep in the wilderness, slaying lions and bears, had the opportunity to slay Goliath. In fact, before the Goliath instance, the prophet Samuel, the nations, he was the real definition of the nation's prophet. He came to anoint this guy as king. And I'm just putting myself into David's shoe. If the nation's prophet has anointed me as king, what again can be more concrete than this? So you could imagine why David was so bold when he got into the camp and he saw that Goliath was threatening the armies of Israel. So in David's mind, I'm sure David was doing calculation like the way I was doing calculation on Tuesday. And we know that because David went to ask that what shall be done to the man that shall slay Goliath. And he was told that, oh, he will marry the king's daughter and his family would never have, um, never know poverty. The family will be taken care of. I'm sure David started saying that this is the prophecy that the nation's prophet gave to me. Calculations. So you could realize, you could see the motivation that David had. And look at David, he slew down to life. Then he married Saul's daughter. So automatically, his story had changed. And if I was in David's shoes, I would be so glad because I can see that God is working in my life indeed. You know, God took him to the palace and not just as a slave, but as an in-law to the king. So David was learning the rudiments of the palace, the life of a king. And if I was David, ah, I'm like, God has done it. 
David was the armor bearer of the king. He was going into battles. God was, and if I was him, I'll be full of thanksgiving and praise that I God is indeed teaching me how to reign as a king. He has given me a mentor who is mentoring me in the steps of a king. And David was just imagining how in the next few years, Saul will make him the king. Little did he know that one day after coming from a battle, the women of the town will be singing that Saul killed the 10,000 and David tens of thousands. And that alone would change his life forever. From somebody who could clearly see himself becoming a king, all of a sudden, the king wants to kill him. And it's, it's, it's something that if I was in David's shoes, I would ask myself, where did I go wrong? All of a sudden, the one man who was supposed to be your mentor, who was supposed to train you, who was supposed to give you the exposure and the experience and the access to that dream that God has given to you, to that anointing that the nation's prophet came and placed upon you, is drastically changing overnight to the extent that this man was also demon-possessed and this man had purposed in his heart to kill you. All of a sudden, David's life had turned around. And for many of us, we are in that situation where it's as though maybe after after school you had a good job immediately and you were doing the calculation and you realized that ah in about two years time i'll buy that car five years time i'll buy the house ten years time i'll do this and you could just see how things were going beautiful for you then all of a sudden a certain wind begins to blow and it's as though all the calculations and the permutations you have done is taking a downside and you begin to ask yourself was it just by coincidence or god is actually ruling and reigning in the affairs of my life how did David turn from becoming the in-law of the king to become the king's number one target to the extent that the whole army of Israel literally was chasing after David and the man who was sleeping in the palace was now going from cave to cave, cave to cave, hiding. It's like he's a refugee in his own country. And I'm wondering if I was David and I was doing calculation, how would my story turn? And for many of us, this is the situation we find ourselves in. How will our story tell? And you begin to ask yourself so many questions. Like I was asking myself questions on Tuesday. And something interesting struck me as I was just taking a glance into this guy's life. And that's in 1 Samuel 22. Something interesting about David. 1 Samuel 22. So let's see from the verse um, 1. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard of it, they went down hither to him. So now David's life was literally hiding in caves. So now what happened was that David went to visit, I think, a priest. And the priest gave him the sword that he used to kill Goliath. Now when King Saul heard it, King Saul was looking for David, of course. And King Saul went to the priest because he had heard that David had come to see him um, for Goliath's sword. And the king killed the priest and I think everybody else in the temple at that time. So the Bible said, and when David heard this, he fled into the cave of Adullam. And I could just imagine the thoughts that was going through David's head. And now look at what the Bible said. His father came, his brethren came to him. Now look at the verse 2. And everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontent, guarded themselves unto him, and he became the captain over them, and they were about 400 men. This is something very interesting. Because for one who was thought that he would be the king, 
If God is going to give you people, God should give you fighters. God should give you kingdom financiers. You know, imagine maybe you are a young person, you are going to, you are, you are God has given you a vision that you have a worldwide ministry and maybe the pastor you were serving under is now trying to jeopardize your life and you go and find some small building or completed building and you begin to start your ministry from there, thinking that, ah, God is going to give you financiers. God is going to give you that one rich person who will come and sponsor your project. And all that the people that came to you, the Bible said, those that were in distress, those that were in debt, broke people. I think broke means that you don't have many. They were negative. They were owing. And those that were discontent, they were the people that came to David in the cave of Adullam. And you would think that there would be 50 or there would be 100 that old David would manage. There were 400 people that David had to take care of. It's like saying that you're going to start a company, you're going to start something, and thinking that, oh, maybe I've been able to survive several attacks, and now at least you have found some kind of rest. You are not come to build your vision, and you are believing God to send you help. And who are the people that God sends you? People who are broke. People who are come to depend on you. People who are come to suck their life out of you. The little money you have seen, the little comfort you have gotten. These people are not come to parasite on your comfort can imagine the calculations that David was going through. He said, but because he was a man who knew that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. In fact, these are the same 400 men that in the latter part of David's life, when David was giving accounts of the men that God has blessed him, these were the men who were killing Goliath's brothers. These were the men who were killing lion-like human beings. These were the men, in fact, the army of David was likened to the army of heaven, of the host of heaven. Let's read that scripture, where David's army was likened to the host of heaven. So that would be in 2 Samuel 5, verse 10. Let's look at 2 Samuel 5, verse 10. 2 Samuel 5, verse number 10. All right. So, so David, oh, let's start from the verse 9. So David dwelt in the fourth, and he called it the city of David. And David built around him from Milo and inward. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord of hosts was with him. No, this, this is not the scripture. I'm talking about, but it's talking about David's city. Now, how David grew so great that he built a city called the city of David. But let's look at the scripture where he was, his army was compared to the army of God's host. Yes, first Chronicles 12, verse 22. First Chronicles 12, verse 22. It says, Day after day, men came to help David until he had a great army, like the army of God. <laughs> how can a human army? be compared to the army of God, an army of angels that are made up of fire. So was David's army. This was the same man who people who were broke and in distress came to him. But because David had an unrelenting trust in God, he was never perturbed about his situation. And for many of us, the reason why it's so difficult to trust God and we are full of anxiety, we are full of unease, full of unrest on how we would make it, on how we would get there, is because we have a trust deficit. But what David realized was that there's a season that he must go through and he passed that season. David knew that he had done the training in the palace. But then about being a king is not just about living in the palace, but about doing the work of a king, which is empowering and grooming people. And you see, for many of us, we are so obsessed about where we want to get to. 
forgetting that where we want to get to, it needs a certain type of person to occupy that kind of position. So for God is more interested in just the destination, but he's not just interested in the destination, he's interested in the person you become when you get to that destination. And because David knew that there's a God that orders his steps, when these people who were in debt and were broke came to him, he did not suck them away. He did not be like, you are not, you know, he was not like, this is not the vision that God gave me. The vision that God gave me, God was giving me giant slayers. God was giving me mighty men, people who can hold on to the jaw of, a, of an ass and slew thousands of men. These were not the people. But David knew. That if there's a God who rules and reigns in the affairs of my life and he's orchestrating the events of my life, where I am is according to the divine purposes of God. That's what will keep you at ease. That's what will keep you at rest in the midst of contrary situations. Trust is what will make you be faithful in the little that God has given you. Trust is what will make you be faithful in the opposite vision or the opposite state of where God is taking you through. Trust is what will make you faithful in that which is in another man, that which is another man's, knowing that you are writing the exams to get access to yours. Trust is what will make you faithful in where God has placed you and the people that God has given you and the access that you have. Trust is what will make you seize the cave of Adulam experience and build yourself for that tomorrow that God has placed upon your life. When you have this trust in God, this is what will make it easy or easier to be careless in the care of God. You need to trust God enough. And you know that's the reason why Eve was beguiled by the serpent. Because even though God had told them that do not eat of this tree, Eve did not trust God's word enough. So when she had another option, she quickly took the option. And when she looked at the tree, and decided, seeing that it would make one wise, she took off it and gave it to her husband. The reason why we are so easy to take options, the reason why we are so easy to look for alternates to God is because we don't trust God enough that he will take care of us. We don't trust God enough that he will do the final piece of the puzzle. What we are supposed to do is to maximize the seasons that God has given to us, knowing that the final piece of that puzzle, it is God that will do it. You know, in, in, in Revelation, Jesus identifies himself as the one with the key of David. And he explains what that key does. It opens doors no one can shut, and it shuts doors no one can open. Can we trust God enough to open the right doors in our life? All you are supposed to do is to go through the cave of Adulam experience, knowing that it is God who do the final piece of the puzzle. Look at the man Moses. Look at the man Moses being raised in the palace. I'm sure all along Moses knew that, ah, God was indeed training me to become the next Pharaoh, to deliver Israel, or training me to become the deliverer of Israel. Before he realized that he was in the wilderness taking care of, of his father-in-law shape. And you ask yourself, how am I going to deliver the people being in the wilderness? Then the calculation starts. Then the anxiety starts. Then the unrest starts. Because you are wondering, how did I fall from grace? Because from the palace, from becoming the daughter of Pharaoh's, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, how did I end up becoming a national threat that the whole of, of the army of Egypt is looking after me? And for many of us, we are in that situation of our life. And we just don't see how the story of our life will turn for the better. So it becomes very difficult to be at ease with God. 
that God is reminding us that learn to be careless in my care. How would a refugee who was taken from his country, Israel, and made a slave in Babylon, how would this guy become the vice president of the nation that he was a slave to trust in God? Trust him enough to give you that opportunity that you need, regardless of where you find yourself in. And that though your beginning is small, you would pay the price of being faithful in where God has placed you, knowing that if he feeds the birds in the sky, who need us so, but yet they never go to bed hungry. If we can trust God enough, who clothes the flowers that nobody ever sees and they will die, he would also take care of us. You know, sometimes you can cast your mind back and look at there's so many on, in quote, unanswered prayers. And then you begin to be full of doubt. Maybe when you're going to the university, you wanted a particular program. You wanted to become an engineer, a lawyer, a nurse, or whatever. And you look at how you end up doing something else. And you're wondering if God did not give me that choice of program, will God now do that situation for me? God is saying that I rule and reign in the affairs of your life. Trust me to do it. Trust me to do it. Whenever your mind is going wild and you are doing calculations, asking yourself, I'm in the cave of Adulam with broke people. How will I? And sometimes when you go to church, we have fantastic prophecies. You will learn to nations and you look at your state now. How you can't afford certain basic things in life. And you ask yourself, how will I begin to learn to nations? God is saying, trust me. Pay the price of being faithful in the little. Pay the price of being faithful in that which is another man. Pay the price of being faithful in where I've pleased you, in what I have given you. Pay the price in investing in that one talent because I am with the key of David. There's a door that I can open for you that no man can shut. And there's a door I can also shut that no man can open. Trust God enough. Be careless in the fact that God cares for you. The psalmist said that he delights in your way. Yeah, even if you may fall down, God is going to uphold you and that the righteous will never be forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. Trust God with your life. Because if this shepherd boy could become the king of Israel, if this shepherd boy, his life could be jeopardized by his mentor, who he thought was going to raise him to become the king, could still become the king. That the God who could cause his potential rival, Jonathan, to become his best friend, the extent of even sacrificing his life to him, God who caused the hearts of men to turn in your favor. And God is saying that in the year 2023, he is delighting in our way. And God is saying that whenever you are tempted to do calculation, always ask yourself that if God could give you Jesus free, there is nothing good he would withhold from us. So tonight, God is just encouraging us. God is really encouraging us because sometimes we are so eager to, in quote, to make it, to get there, to achieve those dreams. But God is saying that, be faithful in the cave of Adolam. I will handle Saul. Be faithful in the prison. I'm coming to give Pharaoh a dream. Be faithful as a slave. I'm coming to give Nebuchadnezzar a rude shocking. Be faithful in where God has placed you. Cast your cares upon him, regardless of the situation you find yourself in. Do not be dishonest at work. That alternate is not going to change your life. It's not going to change your future. It's not going to change your destiny. But be careless in God's care. Whenever your mind is doing calculations, asking yourself how, asking yourself why, asking yourself how is this small business going to transform? God is saying that that is my job. You pay the price of being faithful and I will handle it. Tonight this is our little or our exhortation to you. Now be careless in God's care. It's all about trust. Trust God enough to seize the calculations. Stop calculating how things are going to turn. 
because he's the God that multiplies five loaves and two fishes. There is no equation for his miracle. He is the God that can pay your taxes from the mouth of a fish. There is no mathematical formula to how he's going to do it. And he's saying that he's ordering the events of your life. He's taking you to go and deal with Goliath. He's taking you to the palace. And when you think the palace is the last stop, you must pass through the cave of Adulam. You must do a detour because he needs you to be prepared for where he's taking you to. We just want to spend some time in prayer. A man came to see Jesus for healing. And a man Jesus asked that, do you believe? He said, I believe. But I took a pause and said, help my own belief. We just want to pray to God. Father, we believe. But if there's any unbelief in us, help us. Because sometimes you see the statistics, you see the images that the devil will cast at you. You see that, hey, you think your marriage will be wonderful. Look at, there are no faithful men. There are no faithful women. You see stories, you read articles, and you ask yourself, is there hope? You see situations people are going through. But God is saying that, trust me, trust me. And you see, one thing I love about God is that he's going to keep convincing you again and again and again until you get to Abraham's point. When he took Abraham, when he told Abraham, Abraham, come out of your tent. Let me show you something. He says, look in the sky. Look in the sky and look at the sun of the seashore. And the Bible said that, Charlie, God had convinced Abraham and said that and Abraham believed God. You see, the reason why God is coming at you with this podcast, God wants to take you to the place where you believe him enough to be at peace. Father, help our own belief. We are speaking to God. Help us to believe you. Times when the world gives us options. Times when we want to do mathematical calculations to know how our situation will turn. Times when we want to, we want to help you achieve your purpose for our life help us to be still and know that you are god help us to be still and know that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the lord for he delights in our way for though he may fall the lord upholdeth him i have been wrong and now i'm old i have never seen the righteous forsaken to the extent that even their seed will not bear for bread Father, we pray for grace to believe in you. We pray for grace to trust you. We pray for grace to hold on to our faith in you. We pray for grace to reject every alternate times when the devil gives us images of seemingly failures, of seemingly times where you did not come through for us. Help us to keep our gaze on you. Help us to fix our focus on you. Help us to keep our gaze on the man on the middle cross. Help us, Lord. Help our own belief, Lord. In the name of, of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Be careless in God's care. Do not have an option to God. Because He is the one who holds the key of David. Thank you for being with us. And we hope that tonight was a brief exhortation. And I'm hoping that if possible, after listening to this, you just spend some time in the presence of God. Allow yourself, allow God to convince you. You see, we have done an episode in the wilderness. God is not going to take you through the path that you expect. But he must try you. Because that's what a father does to his son. Trust God to be patient enough. And enjoy the season that you are. Enjoy the cave of Abilah. Enjoy the brook and the distressed people that God is giving to you. Because these same people are going to be your mighty Lord. Thank you for being with us. And we'll see you hopefully God with next week. Remember, in the year 2023, we are being alive to God. As we give him our best. And we owe no man nothing but love. See you next week. And bye-bye.
If not for your grace.